Welcome to the Beyond X podcast. I'm your host, Mahir Ibrahimi, and every week I speak to leading industry experts, trailblazers, and market leaders, where we discuss the key topics of our time in detail and have a deep dive conversation on areas like sustainability, technology, urban planning and city design, health and fitness, and more. In today's episode of Beyond Health, I spoke with Dr. Muzayan Jinzarli. In the first part of our discussion, we went over what hyperbaric oxygen therapy is, the different conditions it can treat, its effects on immune function and autoimmune diseases, benefits on cognition and cognitive function, some examples of typical protocols, and possible side effects. In the second part of our discussion, we expanded on Aviv Clinic-specific protocols and the various studies and protocols in the field of hyperbaric oxygen therapy around reverse aging, fat loss and body composition, athletic performance, and long COVID syndrome. And we also talked about how success is measured in an HPOT protocol, what the maintenance protocols look like, and what potential synergies lie with other forms of treatment. The different discussion points are all timestamped throughout the episode, so you can freely move around as you see fit. Dr. Mozayan has over a decade of experience as a medical doctor in general practice, medical gynecology, and pediatrics, with roles in both the Middle East and France, and is currently a physician at Aviv Clinics Dubai, where she works as part of their state-of-the-art hyperbaric oxygen therapy and neurocognitive team. She holds a master's degree in epidemiology and clinical research from Claude Bernard University in France, a medical doctorate in family medicine from Jean Monnet University in France, and is certified in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. In addition to her experience in family medicine, Dr. Mozan also has an interest in gynecology, psychiatric and psychological disorders, and geriatrics. She is passionate about providing personal, comprehensive, and continued care for patients regardless of age, gender, or illness. So on that note, it's a pleasure to have you with us, Dr. Mozayan. Thank you so much for being here. I think it's going to be a great episode, and I'm really looking forward to learning all the different things that HPOT entails. So thank you so much for it. Thank you so much. Before I get into the technical aspect, I just want to ask you how you got into this. I know you were obviously a medical professional already, but what made you go into hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Yeah, sure. When I was introduced at first to hyperbaric oxygen therapy a couple of years ago, I was like, really? Like, what would we treat with hyperbaric oxygen therapy? You know, because I had very basic knowledge about it. We use it in diving medicine. And for unhealing diabetic wounds, but I didn't have a lot of knowledge about it. And then I dived into all the research and I found out like a lot of research is going on in this field. And I found it very interesting, challenging, and I saw it a little bit like the future of medicine with these new technologies and everything. And I thought that I should absolutely be part of it. And this is how it started. And now it's been three years and I'm really enjoying. And we have so many medical indications that don't really have a medical treatment now. And I've been seeing really amazing results on a lot of patients slash clients. And I'm really happy to be here now and looking forward for the research and the science and whatever is going to come up in the upcoming years. I can totally relate to that. Just when I was doing the research for this episode and looked at the videos and pictures of the dive, which I'm sure you'll get into, I just found it so interesting. It looks very cool. It looks very futuristic (laughs) 
kind of sci-fi. So very intrigued to learn more as we go. Could you set the stage here maybe and explain exactly what hyperbaric oxygen therapy is for our listeners, please? Hyperbaric oxygen therapy is a medical treatment that involves breathing pure oxygen in a pressurized chamber. Usually the pressure would be at least 1.5 atmospheres absolute, what we call ATA. And the treatment is designed to increase the amount of oxygen delivered to the body's tissues and organ. So during the HBOT, I'm going to be using HBOT mostly. This is the abbreviation of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. The patient or slash client, I'll always say slash client because we're not always sick when we undergo hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So the client will be placed in a chamber that is pressurized while breathing pure oxygen. The increase of pressure causes the body to absorb more oxygen than it would at normal atmospheric pressure. This will increase the oxygen amount in the body, which will help the body's natural healing processes and promote tissue repair. That's very concise. Thank you. You made it sound much simpler than I expected. So how does this compare to other types of oxygen therapy? And essentially, what are the other types of oxygen therapy out there? Hyperbaric oxygen therapy involves uh, breathing pure oxygen in a pressurized chamber, while other types of oxygen therapy involve breathing oxygen at a normal atmospheric pressure. I'm going to give some examples. So non-hyperbaric oxygen therapy would be, for example, breathing via an oxygen tank. And this is mostly used to treat conditions such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, what we call COPD or sleep apnea, which can cause actually breathing difficulties. We have another type like high flow nasal cannula oxygen therapy called HFNC, which delivers a high flow rate of oxygen through a nasal cannula used in intensive care units to treat patients with respiratory failure or acute respiratory distress syndrome. Other types would be, for example, the nebulizer therapy. Each type of oxygen therapy has its own unique benefits and drawbacks. And the type of therapy recommended for a particular patient will depend on their individual medical condition and needs. In general, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is typically used for conditioning when there is a need to increase the amount of oxygen delivered to the body's tissues and organs beyond what is achievable with normal breathing or other oxygen therapy. Whereas the non-hyperbaric oxygen therapy are mostly used to treat respiratory conditions that require additional oxygen support. So they have completely two different indications. That makes sense. And there's different types of HPOT as well, if I'm not mistaken. I wouldn't call it different types. It's a hyperbaric oxygen therapy. What will change would be the amount of pressure that we're going to be applying in the chamber and the length of each session and the total period of the treatment will be different from a protocol to a protocol and the types of chambers. We have the monoplace and the multiplace. This is the main difference, but they're all hyperbaric oxygen therapy, of course, And they are performed in medical clinics or hospitals according to the local regulations because we have other oxygen chambers that we see at home or people are using in 
different types. And these, we don't really consider them as efficient hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And we even think that they could really be dangerous sometimes. So we need to watch out from these different kinds of chambers that are really trendy and trending everywhere in the world now. Interesting. I do want to touch on that in more detail. But first, you mentioned some of the different protocols and treatments that exist. What are, let's say, the most common conditions that you usually treat with HBOT? And what are some of the basic protocols, if you would take us through the daily cycle and some of the parameters for each of these protocols? Yeah, of course. The protocols of HVOT can vary depending on the condition being treated, the severity of the condition, and whether it is an acute or chronic condition. In general, acute conditions may require shorter treatment courses at a higher pressures, while the chronic conditions may require longer treatment courses at lower pressures. Some of the conditions that may be treated with HVOT include carbon monoxide, poisoning and decompression sickness disease that we find mostly in divers who have ascended too quickly from deep yeah. dives. And some of the chronic conditions that could be treated with HVOT include traumatic brain injury, diabetic wounds, radiation injuries, and cerebral palsy in children. So what would the protocol be for some of these examples? For example, if someone has a TBI, what would a normal procedure be? I know it will vary based on the specific requirements of the individual client slash patient, but what would a generic treatment look like for some of these conditions? So a traumatic brain injury, for example, can be really different. It could be really serious or it could be really mild and both of them has completely different symptoms. Let's give an example for a mild traumatic brain injury, an example of someone, I don't know, 25 years old, was on an electrical scooter, fell, had an accident, didn't lose consciousness, everything was normal, went to the emergency room, MRI is normal, everything is normal. But then this person noticed in the everyday life that he has some cognition, let's call it decline, as memory is not like before, forgetting keys, names, Having to write down everything, for example, to remember the tasks or the meetings of the day after. Feeling a little bit anxious, more than usual, sleep disorder. And these problems can even get worse and worse with time. And they cannot actually understand these individuals what's going on. This is what we call the post-concussion syndrome that's already there. MRI is normal. Neurological exam is normal. So there's no clear diagnosis for this. And this is what we call mind traumatic brain injury. And when these clients or patients come to us and we assess all this, we have uh, a specific protocol for them. So what they do is 60 sessions of HBOT, five days a week. So it's a treatment for three months, five days a week. Every day they come for a couple of hours of oxygen therapy. What is specific for the Aviva protocol, we have a comprehensive holistic protocol around this with specific follow-ups and trainings, especially neurocognitive training for these patients. And we have research and a great paper about it. And we have amazing results. Cognitively, emotionally, the mood, everything gets significantly better after they complete the three months of HBOT treatment. 
We can definitely go into more detail, I think, with more of the specific protocols, but I want to cover a few more of the conditions that can be treated first. I'm specifically curious about immune function. How can HPOT help the immune system fight off infections or viruses, for example? And on the other end of the spectrum, I'm very curious if there are any potential benefits or protocols for autoimmune diseases like MS or rheumatoid arthritis, if there are any specific protocols for these? We need to differentiate immune system and autoimmune disorders because they are yeah. two different things. So to answer the first one regarding the immune system, during hyperbaric oxygen therapy, the increased oxygen delivery can help fight infections and promote tissue repair by stimulating the body's immune system through the release of growth factors and cytokines. So growth factors are proteins that regulate the cell growth, proliferation, and differentiation. Cytokines are signaling molecules that regulate the immune response by activating and directing the immune cells to the site of infection or injury. HPOT can also increase the production of what we call reactive oxygen species. ROS, which are molecules that play a role in the body's immune response. ROS are produced by white blood cells, which are responsible of our immune system and help to kill bacteria and other pathogens by damaging their DNA and other cellular components. So with these three different pathways, HBOT enhances our immune system so we are able to better fight, if I can say, against infections and inflammation. However, in autoimmune disorders, some studies have investigated the use of HPOT in patients with autoimmune disorders, such as rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, and Crohn's disease. While the results of these studies are mixed, some have suggested that HPOT may be beneficial for reducing symptoms such as pain and fatigue and improving overall function in these patients. But it is important to know that HPOT is not a cure for autoimmune disorders and should only be used as a complementary therapy in conjunction with other treatments such as medication, physical therapy, and lifestyle modifications depending on what is indicated in each medical condition. Amazing. So definitely noticeable significant improvement in fighting infections and improving immune response. But on autoimmune, it's very different and can only really just help with reducing symptoms or severity of episodes. Exactly. Because the pathway is completely different. The physiopathology of the autoimmune system disorders is completely different from what HBOT impact is in the system. So. HPOT would reduce the inflammation. These patients, when they come to us, actually their flare-up, the pain, the flare-up will reduce during the treatment because of the HPOT. But at the end of the treatment, the disease is still there. The medical condition is still there and they still have to take their medication or continue the medical prescription that they already have initially with their doctor. Of course, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So I want to expand on the protocols some more, but first to step back a little bit, when we're talking about oxygen therapy, the mind immediately goes to breathing. And one of the things that I think is gaining popularity in certain circles is breath work. 
What are your thoughts about this overall? Could there be synergies between HBOT and breathwork in general? Actually, it's a very interesting question, and I get it very often from our clients and patients. The similarities between oxygen therapy and breathwork may be due to their shared goal of increasing oxygen delivery to the body's tissues and organs. Both therapies aim to improve oxygenation, which can have a wide range of benefits for overall health and wellness. However, breathwork techniques, such as, I'm going to give two examples. I'm not a specialist in breathwork techniques, but I have a general idea about it. So pranayama and holotropic, for example, breathing, involve conscious manipulation of the breath, uh, which can increase oxygen delivery to the body and enhance relaxation and mental focus. These techniques have been used for centuries in various cultures and traditions as a way to promote physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy is a more targeted form of oxygen therapy, which is an evidence-based treatment that has been shown to have a wide range of medical applications that go way beyond the physical and emotional well-being. So they are completely two different therapies, but they have the same goal. Almost the same goal. While there is currently limited research on the potential synergies between oxygen therapy and breath work, it is possible that these therapies could be used together to enhance their overall benefits. For example, patients undergoing HBOT may benefit from practicing breath work techniques to enhance relaxation and reduce anxiety during treatment. And we do encourage a lot these, these techniques during the treatment of hyperbaric oxygen therapy if our clients are really into the breath work and even meditation. So these, these things really encourage them to continue doing because we know that it can lead to relaxation and mm -hmm. reduce a lot the anxiety in patients. Clients. And what about the less traditional types of breath work, the ones that are not so spiritual, let's say in nature, like cyclic sighing and cyclic hyperventilation and other breathing techniques? And maybe just to define it quickly for the listeners, these are breathing techniques where you manage the rate and speed of your inhales and exhales for a period of time for different effects, essentially trying to increase the amount of oxygen that you intake or increase the amount of carbon dioxide that you exhale over that period of time. There's some recent studies done that have looked into the short-term benefits of these breathing exercises, and some of the improvements included things like improved respiratory function, cognitive function, immune response, anti-inflammatory effects, mood, and some other things, I think. And to me, this seemed very similar to just everything you described about HPOT's benefits. I'm sure there's no studies comparing or looking at these similarities, but what are your thoughts on this maybe overall? Regarding the studies, usually in medical research, the studies that we use actually to prove a certain effect, we have to take a certain number of people and with hyperventilation, without hyperventilation, and actually be able to compare them before and after, for example, a course of therapy and say, for example, 50 sessions of hyperventilation will get you from point A to point B significantly. As long as we don't have this data, it's very difficult for us as doctors to say that it's medically or evidence-based. 
Then we have another type of research, of course, that can be based mostly on the physiopathology and what's actually happening in the body physiologically when we're doing this hyperventilation. It activates certain pathways, and this is why mm -hmm. logically we get these results. I totally agree, and I know that it has a lot of benefits as well. But with the hyperbaric oxygen therapy, it's completely different because we're giving more oxygen, actually. And with the pressure, oxygenation of the tissues is done via the diffusion of oxygen because of the pressure. Mm -hmm. So the amount of oxygen that we are actually delivering to the tissues is way beyond what we can deliver by hyperventilation or other breathworks. Right. This is why the results are completely different and they are more, the HPOT is more indicated and complicated and serious medical conditions. And we have amazing, amazing results. I completely understand. And you know, that's an important distinction to make between medical and other types of studies. So as a side note, there are scientific papers that do study the subject of cyclic hyperventilation. A recent one out of the Stanford Huberman lab comes to my mind where they studied, I think, over 100 subjects during the time of COVID. I'm not sure exactly what the parameters were, but they did find statistically significant benefits in the patients or subjects. But again, that is not a medical study as far as I'm aware, at least. So I think you clarified it perfectly, especially with the distinction here on the amount of oxygen and the pressure that is applied, obviously, that the pressure within the suite that can't be created in a normal setting with just breathing. So based on this, you did touch a bit on the pressure range earlier as well. Is there an optimal range of pressure and duration for hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Can you break this down for us, the specific ranges and timeframes for the different protocols? Usually the pressure that we use is going to vary, as I mentioned earlier, according to the indication, if it's acute, if it's chronic and the duration of the treatment. The pressure that are used usually are between 1.5 and 3. ATA, absolute, and the usually used pressure would be mostly two ATA. And this is what we are using in the Aviv clinics because we treat mostly chronic conditions. And when we use a lower pressure, the treatment can last for a longer time. So we give high amounts, high numbers of sessions. It can go up to 60 sessions and the sessions usually can go from 30 to 90 minutes in total. And this depends as well on the pressure, on the indication and on the length of the treatment. So there are so many different protocols. Okay. The most important thing is to remember that the usual used pressure is 2ATA. We can use 1.5. We use it mostly in children. We can go up to three if it's really acute medical condition and we're doing only few sessions, not very high number of sessions. And uh, this protocol will vary, as I said, according to the indication, chronic, acute, serious, less serious, and according to the research as well, because we have a lot of research for the different indications. And from there, we know what is the optimal number of pressure, number of sessions, and what is the optimal pressure to be applied in a certain uh, medical condition to have the best of results limiting as well the side effects. So we want to right. balance, like we want the best of results and the less side effects. I do want to expand on the side effects, but first, how about the oxygen? Is there any variance on how this is delivered? Is it always pure oxygen? And does that vary throughout the different types of procedures and protocols? 
So usually when you're in the chamber, the multi-place chamber, the oxygen is delivered in a mask or as wood. And usually it's 100% oxygen, medical oxygen. Whereas when you are in the monochamber, so you're lying down in the monochamber, it's only one person inside. The whole chamber is filled with 100% oxygen. And by saying that, it's important to emphasize on something. It's the multi-place chamber, because the oxygen is delivered in a mask or in a hood, the risk of fire is less. While in the monochamber, because you have the whole space is filled with oxygen, the risk of fire would be higher. And I presume they would remove any metals and other flammable objects, right? Of course, we have safety is very important. This is the number one thing that we do. And even the <laughs> protocol, we check the clients slash patients on daily basis and several times before they go at the suite. And right. even the uniforms are all the same, 100% cotton, no pockets. Understood. You mentioned side effects. So what are some of the side effects of HBOT? And more importantly, I'm curious, can HBOT ever be harmful to someone who is otherwise perfectly healthy? I need to mention here that HBOT is a very safe treatment in general. Of course, if it's, as I said, really performed in a medical facility that is certified according to the local regulations and under the supervision of experts, like very experienced medical staff. I would mention mostly the side effects related to the high pressure, what we call biotrauma. And the side effects related to the high exposure to oxygen, so the oxygen toxicity. Related to the high pressure, we commonly see mostly the barotrauma related to the middle ear. It's like going on the plane, you know, and you have uh, problems equalizing and you feel like you can't really pop up your ears and it could lead to pain or it can get even worse sometimes, but we make sure that we don't get there. So when we cannot equalize in the suite, we stop the pressurizing right away. It could be related to the sinuses as well, you know, and the lungs, because they're all air-filled spaces in our body. Vision can change as well, especially um, cataract. Cataract sometimes can get a little bit worse. So this is why we always do a vision checkup before we go in the high-pressurized chamber. Regarding the oxygen toxicity, I would mention mostly the brain and the lungs that could be affected by this. This is extremely rare actually to have, and we really might see these side effects if we expose the individual to a very high pressure with high oxygen for a long time. Other side effects are there. They're less serious. For example, the repressed memories can come back. So memories but from the past. That's a risk with any type of therapy, right? <laughs> yeah. And this is mostly actually, but this is mostly interesting in treating other indications like the fibromyalgia and PTSD, especially when they're related okay. to trauma in the past. So all these memories can come back. So this is why it's That's important right. to have experts and very experienced staff around the patients to take care of these specific conditions as well. So you have mental health professionals on staff as well, I presume. Of course. Yeah, I'll definitely touch on the brain more because that's very fascinating. But you mentioned vision. So I'm just very curious, can HBOT improve vision in anyone? Unless you have cataracts, of course. It can improve vision. So we have a lot of clients like, I don't need my glasses anymore. I need to change them. And then we tell them, no, don't. Because this is not going to last forever. 
So it might improve uh, the vision during the treatment, but once you complete mm-hmm. the treatment, actually, it will go back to how it was before. Yeah. Then you had my also just a little bit. <laughs> That's fair enough, though. You talked about the quality and the importance of using medically managed HBOT. Can you expand on that? Are there any specifications that need to be abided by? Any potential malfunctions or anything else along those lines that could happen? Going into the equipment, it's very technical here, but of course, equipments have to comply with a lot of regulations and mostly safety regulations. You know what? I would love to share a picture, at least. I don't know, maybe we can add it later and it will explain better than me talking how it looks like. Because it's like a spaceship, actually, and it's, it's like incredible. Okay, and even we have experts, HBOT experts, the operators who operate the suite as well. And of course, it has to comply with a lot of regulations, safety regulations, technical engineering, everything. It's very sophisticated equipment. And most of it is manufactured abroad and there are specific, can I say, brands and branding or our companies actually specialized in manufacturing these chambers, especially the multi-place ones. And I can say that here in Aviv at Dubai, we have the biggest ones, the biggest ones, and it's the biggest facility so far, especially in the GCC. Mm -hmm. The monochamber, it's less complicated, but still it needs very high qualifications and regulations to actually be able to have the medical one. Because as I said, a lot of people have the monochamber at home and it's not the a specific equipment needed actually to get the efficiency from the hyperbaric oxygen therapy, the right efficiency. And uh, it is very crucial for it to be, as I said, medically certified because it could be inefficient and really dangerous. And we have seen dramatic incidents in the past related to the misuse of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. If you look at it, there are really dramatic results. And this is one of the reasons why people sometimes they're a little bit afraid or they don't really believe in it because of what happened in the past. And this was just related to the misuse of hyperbaric oxygen therapy because when it's really used in the right way, it's a safe treatment if it's done in the right way. Okay, so make sure you use medical professionals and their assistance. Exactly, yeah. Okay, in terms of the equipment, you mentioned the various brands and companies that produce them. So if, for example, someone is exploring undertaking HPOT treatments at two or three different clinics that provide it, and I know you work for Aviv Clinic, so you might be a bit biased here, but if they're contemplating doing HPOT, what should they be looking at? Are there differences between the equipments different clinics have, or are the professionals and the protocols that are used the main differentiator? And then maybe if you can expand a bit on the key parameters of these protocols. So usually the chambers that are implemented or will be implemented in clinics or in hospital facilities that are certified in Dubai will be certified because if not, the health authorities will not allow this treatment to happen in any of the clinical or hospitals here. So they are certified. Certified, it means that, yeah, it works, it's medical, it's a good equipment. The difference would be mostly in the protocols and the experience of the staff. As well. So the Aviva protocol is unique protocol, different based on research that mostly Professor Shai have been leading for more than 15 years. 
And uh, this protocol, the core of it is the hyperbaric oxygen therapy, but it has a lot of other trainings with experts that will be going on the same time as you're having your hyperbaric oxygen therapy to enhance and increase the benefits and the results at the end of the day. And after three months, what we're we're aiming to do as well, you know, in any treatment, if you just get the treatment and stop there and continue with your lifestyle, that's not really healthy. It will not last forever, right? So during right. these three months of treatment, we do our best to actually change the lifestyle of these clients and patients and not in a sudden way, because everything that we start suddenly like this and we ask them to stop everything, it will not be sustainable. So we have enough time during these three months actually to educate, to help, to support our clients during the treatment, to change their lifestyle slowly to a better lifestyle. So they get the best of benefits at the end and they can continue actually a healthy lifestyle later on and prevent any decline in their health, physical or mental or cognitive. So this is the main difference. And another difference is more technical in the suite. We don't give our clients oxygen continuously during the two hours. Actually, they put the mask on for 20 minutes and then they remove the mask for five minutes. And we do the cycle three times. And this is what we call the hyperoxic hypoxic paradox. And there's a very interesting paper about this if you're interested in research. And during these five minutes, actually, of hypoxia, lack of oxygen that we are mimicking in the body from 100% oxygen to 21%, actually, during these five minutes, we trigger the increase of the growth factor in the body and we activate different pathways which will lead to increasing the amount of stem cells, Interesting. which are the main components of regenerating the regenerative process in the body and mostly in the brain to get significant results cognitively and physically at the end of the treatment. That's very interesting. I wasn't expecting that at all. You mentioned HPOT can improve cognitive performance in individuals suffering from neurological disorders. And I think there's quite a bit of research studying the impacts of HPOT on TBIs. What is the underlying mechanism for this? Essentially, how does HPOT positively impact the brain? Is it through the production of additional stem cells? And could you go into how this manifests? Or are there other factors, maybe especially with the mitochondria, on improving brain function? So in traumatic brain injuries, the brain experiences physical damage that can cause a range of cognitive, physical, and emotional symptoms, depending on the severity and the location of the injury. HPOT can improve cognitive performance in individuals suffering from neurological disorders. It could be a TBI or any other injury like stroke, for example, by increasing the blood flow to the brain tissue. And how does this blood flow increase? I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. We have an increase in stem cells. So these stem cells are basic cells. They don't have identity yet. Then they grow and they differentiate into specific cells, like in different organs, like brain, um, neurons, uh, vessels, uh, muscles. So in this case, we increase the blood flow in the brain because we have more blood vessels, what we call angiogenesis. 
because of the stem cells differentiating into blood vessels. And therefore, we enhance the oxygenation of the damaged tissue. So when we enhance that, then it will help better repair the tissue. On the other hand, hyperbaric oxygen therapy promotes what we call neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain actually to form and reorganize synaptic connections and response to changes in the environment or to the injury. By promoting neuroplasticity, HPOT can help improve the brain's ability to recover and adapt in response to injury, leading to improvements in cognitive function and quality of life. So we have these two processes. They're very important, the neuroplasticity and the angiogenesis in the brain. And with these two combined, as a result from the hyperbaric oxygen therapy, individuals improve their cognitive functions and physical performance as well, if they have any deficits. That's very interesting. So in that case, I'm presuming then that you can also use this to improve age-related decline, right? Things like dementia, Alzheimer's, are there specific protocols to help prevent or at least reduce the impact of these things? And maybe to expand on that, when we're talking about HBOT's impact on cognitive function, if you look at, let's say, otherwise healthy adults, how can HBOT cause both short-term and long-term improvements? Studies published in recent years indicated that hyperbaric oxygen therapy can help slow down and even improve cognitive decline, particularly in the early stages. However, prevention of cognitive decline is seen as the key, and there is a strong emphasis on spreading awareness about the importance of staying mentally and physically active throughout all stages of life. As a part of the Aviv Medical Protocol, specifically because we've done research on this using the Aviv Protocol and on aging and reverse aging and preventing dementia and Alzheimer's, HBOT is combined with regular physical exercise, a healthy diet, cognitive training, and social interaction to optimize the results. This comprehensive approach to brain health has yielded extraordinary outcomes, especially in early dementia, very early stages, or in mild cognitive impairment as well. Even if you don't have an injury like a traumatic brain injury or stroke or any physical damage in the brain, even in healthy individuals, HBOT will enhance neuroplasticity and angiogenesis and can improve the cognitive function. When I say cognitive function, it's mostly the memory, attention, focus, information processing speed, executive function, motor skills. And we can actually show the patients slash clients objectively the improvement that they had because we do a very holistic and comprehensive evaluation before the treatment and after the treatment. So they do feel it when they finish the treatment, of course, when they complete the number of courses assigned at first, but they do see it objectively as well. They can see their improvement in the different fields. And for this, we really use scientific proof tests. Every test that we're going to be using in the physical therapy, physiology assessment, or in the neurocognitive assessment has the approved scientific uh, tests that are used worldwide and are according to the health recommendations. So you mentioned the Aviv protocols a few times. Can you take us through the specific protocols? I know that the reverse aging is the area that you're most famous for. 
but maybe you can let us know what differentiates Aviv's protocols overall from other clinics internationally and regionally. So at the Aviv clinics, we have developed a comprehensive protocol aimed at enhancing the body's regenerative processes and reducing the impact of aging, mostly. <laughs> the Aviv medical program combines a range of cutting-edge technologies, including hyperbaric oxygen therapy, of course. We have multi-place chambers. We combine nutrition with a specialized nutritionist dietitian, cognitive mm -hmm. training, as I said, using really scientific tests and physical exercise to optimize brain and body health. The cognitive training exercises challenge the brain and stimulate the growth of new neural connections, which can improve cognitive function and overall brain health. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy has also been shown to enhance neuroplasticity as I mentioned earlier by increasing blood flow and oxygen delivery to the brain, which can promote the growth of new blood vessels and the development of new neural connections. So what we actually do is when the clients are in the suite, they have a tablet in front of them where they have a cognitive training tailored to their needs. So while they're exposed to the oxygen in the chamber, they are actually training their brain. And we believe that you know, the more you train your brain while you're exposed to this oxygen, it will enhance better the recovery or the improvement of these specific areas that you're activating in the suite, the hyperbaric oxygen chamber. So they do on daily basis have this cognitive training, which is monitored by our experts and which we change and adapt on weekly basis. And we can see the improvement actually of the clients is very interesting because we can actually monitor their improvements after on a weekly basis and see how they are improving. We have different protocols as well that are ad adapted to the indication. So not all our clients will have 60 sessions. Some of them will have only 40, others will have only 10 according to the indication, but we treat mostly chronic, chronic medical conditions and we promote mostly the reverse aging, because our slogan is brain performance for life. So our aim is to create, or we imagine actually an Alzheimer free world. And we always spread awareness about the importance of prevention. We don't need to wait until we have symptoms or we feel the decline or we're not feeling good to do the treatment. We should actually do it even before it starts to prevent these symptoms from starting. And uh, this is the main goal and aim of the Aviv program and protocol. And this is what we're trying to spread worldwide. So up to now, we have three clinics in three different countries. A fourth one is going to be opening soon. And hopefully in the 10 coming years, we'll have more and more clinics opening to spread the awareness and the good that hyperbaric oxygen therapy can do and the change that can make in medicine. The thing that I find the most interesting in all of this is the holistic approach of obviously using both physical and neurological stimuli to improve function. But I'm curious, especially when it comes to, for example, the brain training games that you're talking about, are these really that effective? And is there direct synergy with this and HBOT that catalyzes it? Or is it just a matter of giving the clients something to do, something active to do? to keep them stimulated during the procedure. Any studies done on this, maybe? Actually, the research that we've done has always been within the AV protocol. So we always compared two groups of people, P1 
people who are not having the hyperbaric oxygen therapy and the people who are the other group that is having the hyperbaric oxygen therapy with the training. So the whole protocol. So the whole protocol is evidence-based in a simple way. The neurons in our brain are like, our brain is like muscles. When you go to the gym and you train all the time, your muscles will get bigger. They will get stronger and you will be able to lift heavier weights every time you go, if you're consistent, you're going on a regular basis. And the brain is the same. The more you activate your neurons and the more you use them, the more you challenge them, the better performance they will have. So this is what we're trying to do during the three months. We're trying to challenge your brain and your cognitive functions and in a consistent way. It has to be on daily basis to get the best of the results at the end. So we do it in the suite. And it's not for a long time. Like they do 20 to 30 minutes in general. If they want, they can do more. And then we monitor this. And then they have brain, they have cognitive training after the suite. Because after the chamber, they have follow-ups, right? Within the protocol, the right. program. So they have different kind of follow-ups. It could be physiology, physiotherapy, with a dietitian, or with a neurocognitive team and with experts. And these follow-ups are a little bit different. The training is a little bit different. We do a lot of trainings on multitasking, for example. We have very advanced material and machines for this. So we combine the physical and the cognitive together. So you're going to be walking or jogging, but you're going to be challenged to do some games on the same time while walking or jogging. All this will enhance actually the cognitive function at the end of the treatment. This is from training point of view to enhance, but the core of it is related to the hyperbaric oxygen therapy itself. Following the two processes and the pathways that I already explained earlier, the neuroplasticity and the angiogenesis, because with the new stem cells and enhancing the neuroplasticity and increasing the oxygenation of your different cells in the brain will enhance the performance as well in different areas. Mostly the areas that you're training on regular basis. So is this a generalized training protocol or is it tailored? No, it's tailored. It's very tailored okay, and personalized, of course. So if I have, for example, problems in attention, but my memory is excellent, we'll be focusing more on the attention. In your case, if it's vice versa, for example, it's the information processing speed, we'll be, we'll be focusing more on this. According to everyone's needs and decline in specific areas, the protocol will be very tailored to every single client slash patient. Interesting. So you mentioned the study, I'm curious, was the control group undergoing any part of the protocols without the HPOT or they were just the, the control group that were not doing anything? You're going to be surprised to know that this kind of research is very complicated to develop, actually. And I was quite surprised to see the amount of research that they were able to do, actually, under these circumstances to get significant results in medicine, like in evidence-based results. Both groups shouldn't know what they're having or not having. So it's a double-blind study? Exactly, because we have to eliminate bias. So both the groups, okay. they don't know if they're having the real treatment or not. So the other group will be placed in the chamber with the same sounds and with them for three months on a daily basis, but wow. they won't be getting any oxygen or not exposed to the right pressure. Interesting. So but they're undergoing the same training and physical tasks as well? Yeah. Both the groups have to undergo the same feelings, the same things. For example, the second group will be given a placebo a tablet, but it's a placebo. 
So they don't know what they're getting because psychologically right. it can affect the results, knowing that you've of got course. the treatment or not. So even the doctors, they don't know which group they're following during the three months. So no one knows what's going on. But we're ethical at the end of the day. So the group will then get the results. If the results are significant, they get to get the oxygen therapy to improve them later on. That's very interesting. And I'm presuming then there's a statistical significance between the two groups? Yep. Great. I'll make sure to keep a link to the study in the show notes then. I presume this was the case for the treatment side of things, but is it the same for the preventative and anti-aging protocols? There's a very interesting paper as well. They did a double-blinded clinical trial on healthy aging. So they were really healthy people, not sick. And this was to show how hyperbaric oxygen therapy could reverse aging. And if we want to talk about the prevention part. So there is a study out there. People were not sick and they underwent the hyperbaric oxygen therapy for three months as well. Two groups. Interesting. This is where the brain performance for life comes from. And this is why this clinical <laughs> based on this research, actually, they recruited people who are very healthy and they are more than 55 years old, of course, and the cognitive function, everything was normal. They never complained of anything. And actually they did this research to compare the performance, the cognitive performance, the physical performance at the end of the treatment. And of course we see that the cognitive performance improved, the mood improved, the sleep pattern improved. And the most important thing that we see as well, when we say reverse aging, what does this mean actually? It's very important to understand because sometimes you know, how am I going to look like I'm 10 years old or 15 years old? No, no. How many years are you taking me back in time? Am I going to be 20 again? Actually, when we say reverse aging, it's mostly reversing the biological, the cellular age. How do we measure this? We measure this by measuring the length of the telomeres. So telomeres are the cap that we have on our chromosomes extremities. Chromosomes is our DNA, and this protection of our chromosomes are called telomeres. The length will shorten when we age at a point that it's too short that the cell itself cannot replicate anymore. So it can't really uh, do any beneficial role in our body. So with the treatment, we could actually demonstrate that the length of these telomeres increases after the three months of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So we could reverse the biological aging and the cellular aging in our body. And this will give a better chance for our cells to be healthier, to replicate, to be energetic. And on the same time, it prevents chronic diseases in the future, dementia, and other medical conditions that could be related to the aging process. Is there a relation between the impact of HPOT on the mitochondria as well? Because all the improvements you mentioned sound like the things that the mitochondria is responsible for and the role it has. Everything is about the mitochondria and our body. And they're the Everything power cells of the brain the and the whole body. Yeah. Because this is the engine of our cells, right? Because exactly. without mitochondria, we cannot, nothing can really work properly. So when we increase the oxygen in the cells, actually it increases as well in the mitochondria. So you're giving more energy to the mitochondria, which will make it even more active 
and the performance will increase. And this is very important because this reflects on the performance of our cognition, uh, the physical, the mood and everything in our body. So this is the main component of the cell actually that's promoting all the improvement as well, the mitochondria. And there is a lot of research on this very interesting as well because they've been looking at the mitochondria and its behavior after hyperbaric oxygen therapy under the microscope. And they do this biological and cellular research. And then actually they, they show how they could show actually how the mitochondria can even replicate. We can have duplicate of the mitochondria because of the effects and the impact of the hyperbaric oxygen therapy. That's very interesting. And I'm sure this plays a role in the anti-aging process too. You mentioned the standardized tests that you do before and after each procedure. Firstly, I wanted to ask, are these standardized across the Aviv clinic or are they an industry standard across different clinics? And can you give us a bit of insight on essentially how effective success is actually quantified within these protocols? Actually, I don't know if we're really quantifying here, but yeah, you have objective measurements to see how you improved significantly on different levels, as mentioned earlier. For example, I'm going to give just an example other than the neurocognitive assessment and the physical assessment. We have, for example, I said the dietitian. So we have okay. the CICA that everyone knows that we can quantify a little bit the fat mass, the skeletal mass, the water. So this we do on monthly basis, to give an example, and we extract the numbers and we see how the patient's last clients are improving. If regarding the cognitive assessment, evaluation, and training, what we use as a standardized scientific tests that are actually standardized within the neurocognitive general assessments worldwide. It's not specific to Aviv. So these are the tests that are generally used in this specific field to assess patients and to cognitively train patients. So we got the best out of the standardized test, and these are the tests that we are using. We use for the training Brain HQ that actually you can upload on yeah. your phone and do it 20 minutes every day. That's okay. enough. Learning <laughs> is for children as well. <laughs> uh, Brain HQ is very well known. We have Cognifit, Constant Therapy, different therapies according to the profile of the client's patients and on the cognitive decline, how important it is, because we need to adapt the test as well. It has to be tailored to the patient's and the client's needs. Yeah. Then for the evaluation, we use different tests, battery of tests, and they are standardized as well, but they are different because we believe, and it's known that when you repeat a test, you have some bias related to this because repeating it will make you more comfortable doing it. So you might get all the right answers because you repeated it several times. So for assessments, we use different tests. We use the test only once before and once after. So the results would be more accurate. And for the training, there are completely different tests. So it's the same set of questions both times? Same sorts of questions, yeah. Because I was expecting something like a randomized IQ test, for example, or is this different for reverse aging? No, but these are difficult tests as well. And they have similarities with the IQ. But the IQ is not used usually in dementia and early Alzheimer's and a lot in adults who don't have specific complaints. 
So we have different indications. Sometimes we indicate the IQ test, but in different population. But this won't be to compare the before and after. It's not one of our standardized tests that we use so far, because the one that we have are more suitable, let's say. These are the most used ones in the cognitive evaluation that we do at Avid the specific cognitive evaluation that we do at the clinic. Because then there are a lot of tests, like hundreds, thousands outside. So we selected the most used, most accurate, and the best test that suit our protocol as well. What about physical benchmarks? You mentioned the CICA scan. I would have preferred DEXA, but CICA will do, I guess. <laughs> what about other physical parameters? Do you, for example, measure strength or endurance? So we have two parts here, the physiology and the physical therapy. And the physiology part, we have a very specific test that we are doing. It's the CPET, so cardiopulmonary exercise test, where our patients slash clients, they do cycling or they walk on a treadmill and they have a recording actually and monitoring of the ventilation, how they breathe and their heart activity. And this is an incredible test. It's the equivalent of a stress test, but on top of that, they have a mask for the ventilation. So it gives us, it's provides us with a lot of information, actually, including, I'm going to go a little bit technical here. Like, for example, we measure VO2 max, VO2 at anaerobic thresholds, VCO2 slope, and a lot of measurements like this, which in a simple way will reflect actually your, the capacity of your body to comply with high intensity exercise. And by getting all this information, it will allow us to know if your heart can comply with high intensity exercise or not. Is it too slow? Is it too fast? The recovery timing, does it recover fast or slow? And the efficiency of your breathing, is it efficient, not efficient? And with these different results, we'll able actually to identify the physical problems that you really have and in order to work on it during this three month and improve it. And the hyperbaric oxygen therapy, of course, will improve it as well, plus the training that you get during the protocol, actually. So you can continue training your heart, your ventilation, and increasing your muscle mass even after you finish the treatment. From a physical therapy part, we have all the evaluation that you mentioned earlier. So we have the strength, the muscles power, your balance, your pressure when you walk and all this. And we have a very specific, up-to-date, amazing machine here. It's called the Cosmos. It has thousands of sensors that can actually sense your posture, your balance while walking, while standing. And this is amazing because training on this will improve your balance, your posture, your gait at the end of the treatment. And this allows us actually objectively to see if you have any problems and how you improved later on, because you get images, you get numbers, you get graphs. That's quite interesting, objective, and you can see if it's significant or not. So I think this is this response best to how to quantify, if we can call it quantifying, but yeah. this is what we are doing at Aviv within the Aviv protocol so far. And what about strength parameters? You mentioned the cardiovascular and some of the postural and other factors. Is strength also measured in any way? The dynamometer. So we have a specific material machine protocol for every measurement that we do. The best will be for you to come and try it. <laughs> so yeah, you can go experience yourself 
and see actually yeah, what maybe. I've been doing. It would be interesting to share some photos because I have a lot of photos to actually see what we are using. We even have a pain assessment machine. The pain assessment is very interesting as well in fibromyalgia or chronic pain that we use it as well sometimes to assess a little bit the sensation and the perception of pain and our clients, uh, patients. So every assessment will be really based on standardized tests. You mentioned nutrition and training a couple of times. So I want to step away from the quantification and touch on the fat loss aspects a bit. When the word oxygen is mentioned, where my mind goes, just because of my personal interests and my areas of focus, is its relationship to fitness and fat loss. So oxygen obviously helps us fuel through endurance training, but it also plays a key role in fat oxidation. And in fact, as I'm sure you know, when we burn fat, the great majority of it is excreted as carbon dioxide and breath. So this brings me to my question. What is the relationship between HBOT and fat loss or other body composition related effects like muscle gain? I know that there was a recent study looking into the impacts of HBOT on rats, but to your knowledge, has there been any studies on humans? And how have you seen your patients and clients improving or changing their body composition over the duration of these protocols? To my knowledge, there are currently no studies really investigating the direct relationship between HPOT and fat loss in humans. Based on our experience, treating the individual with HPOT at Aviv Clinics for the last 20 years, we know that the body's metabolism increases during the treatment due to various regeneration processes that we mentioned earlier. However, we cannot directly attribute weight loss to HPOT alone. Instead, we have observed that most clients and patients who follow a personalized diet plan and physical training regimen during their HVOT treatment tend to lose weight. While improving their muscle mass, which is part of our pre and post uh, treatment assessment routine testing. To be honest with you, I've gone through the treatment and I would feel extremely hungry <laughs> when I get out of the sweet chamber which is normal because the whole metabolism is increasing. So what we try to do is you're going to be feeling hungry, but if you can, if you can control it by eating healthy and training right after it, you lose weight for sure. And you will gain more muscle mass and you will reduce your fat mass. But if you get out of the chamber and you don't want to do any change in your lifestyle and you're still eating and you're even more hungry and eating more, this will not lead actually to losing weight. But the fat mass part, yeah, actually it, ha it helps reduce the fat mass. But to see it and to lose the weight, you need to do efforts. It's an individual effort, commitment, and individuals have to follow a specific diet and they have to maintain a physical activity regularly in order to see the results on their weights. So you've just described every type of diet, basically not to man. I think a real factor is always consistency. What I've always seen in dietary interventions or basically when someone goes on a diet, it could be any kind of diet, really. As long as caloric intake is monitored consistently, they'll see results, whatever that might be. I am curious to see if there's studies that measure metabolism rather than fat loss in HBOT, because obviously, like you said yourself, if your metabolism increases, but then you're actually increasing your intake of calories, then that's not going to make any difference for you. So are there any studies to your knowledge that have been done on this, on humans or otherwise? 
Not on humans. Yeah. yeah. And ongoing studies? Anything coming up? Yeah. But in some studies are there. They're going on. But we're still at the stage before humans. But <laughs> it's very promising. It's right promising. But still, they won't be a magical treatment where you actually do it and then you eat whatever you want and you don't move and I'm going to lose weight. They will always be this right. personal commitment actually to wanting to lose fat and weight and every treatment will be combined with your will and personal will and commitment actually <laughs> to get there. Yeah, That's very interesting. And I think these studies could definitely shed light on some other areas too. I mean, speaking of metabolism, I've heard many people calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes these days in, in research settings, not medical specific settings, because of the potential connections of insulin resistance in the brain and Alzheimer's. So seeing as HBOT can help halt or reverse cognitive decline, I'd be very curious to see how these things might correlate other than the studies that are out there. But until the research is done, let's touch on more tangible things. Athletic performance is another area where some work has been done on HPOT. As far as I know, you mentioned cardiovascular tests and some strength training elements in the reverse aging protocols. What about athletes who want to improve their performance? For example, football players, professional athletes of any kind, if they wanted to undertake HPOT, would this be something that could essentially help them improve their performances in a productive way? So based on our experience at Aviv Clinics, we have found that HBOT can potentially improve athletic performance by reducing inflammation, accelerating recovery time, and enhancing oxygen delivery to the muscles, and mostly the mitochondria that we were talking about earlier. So at Aviv, we have different protocols for the athletes. We do enhanced performance, physical and cognitive. Going to be telling me cognitive and athletes, yeah, because for example, when you play golf or polo, Cognition is very important and they have to be multitasking. So they have a specific protocol. We have a specific protocol for rehabilitation after injury. We have a specific protocol for recovery and recovery from long COVID syndrome. If they have the long COVID syndrome and long COVID syndrome means that you still have symptoms after three months of having the COVID, the acute infection, actually. And this is not only for the athletes, it's for everyone, actually, and not for the athletes if it's having any impact on their performance. Interesting. So we can improve lung function, I'm guessing, based on that? Yes. And muscular function too? Yeah. And this we will measure mostly, remember, by the CPAD, the cardiopulmonary ice test, which is an amazing test. We can see the improvement on the test and they even feel it. And it's incredible results for the long COVID syndrome. That's very interesting. I have no trouble imagining why VO2 max would increase after HPOT. But I am curious, how long after the protocols do you go back and test them again to see if it's lasted basically the effects? Does it last long-term, six months, a year after the protocols, or is it just short-term benefit? And athletes or generally? Either and or. Usually if it's the VO2 max and other measurements were declined or decreased because of a medical condition, for example, long covid or other injury, of course, when you reverse it or it improved, it improved. It will not decline again unless you have the injury or the medical condition again. But if we're talking in healthy individuals, as long as you're training physically enough, this will be maintained. It will be affected mostly 
by the aging process. Because we know that when we age, automatically and naturally, our performance, physical performance and cognitive will decline a little bit with time. Even if we do everything that we can to prevent it, it will decline a little bit. What we do usually in AVI protocol is we continue monitoring our patients slash clients. It's not that at the end of the three months, we assess you, you're, ba- you're better, oh, bye-bye, see you in 10 years. No, we do monitor them. So they come systematically after six months and we evaluate again. Most of the functions we evaluate, even if they don't have any complaints, we offer to evaluate again. And then it's up to them to come on a yearly basis and evaluate as much as they want. So we can actually detect and advance if there is any decline in physical or cognitive. And we have what we call as well a maintenance protocol. So for some clients, mm-hmm. patients, if they want to continue to maintain the longer time possible, they can still come once or twice a week after they finish the three months of treatment. And this will help them. Okay. And is that the range you would need once or twice a week or could it be, say, once a month? Is there any best practice for the maintenance protocol? You know, regularity is very important. (laughs) Right. Once a month, once or twice a week, because after the oxygen, you will have a training to do cognitive or physical. So it will help you implement as well a certain routine and consistency. It's very important. In some cases, it's indicated. We suggest that they should continue because they show amazing improvement at the end. And we feel like they need a little bit more push and they will improve even more. For some people, it's not always indicated. It's optional. For example, for the reverse engaging, if they have amazing results at the end, it's up to them if they want to maintain or they prefer to stop for a while and then come back later and check again. So it's going to really vary and depend on the medical condition, on the individual, on the expectations, on the outcomes and our goal, short-term and long-term goals as well. That's fair enough. You mentioned stem cell production from HBOT. I'm curious, is there any synergies between HBOT and other types of treatment like stem cell therapy, for example? With the hyperbaric oxygen therapy, you're regenerating your own stem cells. It's your own body regenerating an unlimited number of stem cells that's going to be migrating everywhere and differentiating into different fixed cells and organs and the whole body. Whatever needs to be, let's say, fixed, enhanced, it will happen. It could be the skin, it could be the neurons or any other organs. Stem cells therapy is different. Like you have, you're getting stem cells, but you don't know where you're getting it from. It's not yours. And they're not injecting it right away. We don't know how the conservation was done. We don't know if they still found very active and very beneficial as the ones that you're regenerating or not. We don't know what will happen during this time that they're, we took it from I don't know. It could be an animal source. So this is what they're using, deers or others. And then they inject in it in your body and it's local. They inject it, for example, under a certain area of the skin and a joint. So they have local effect. And in some indications, it's working. It works and it has benefits. Of course, there is absolutely no conflict about this. 
But HPOT and stem cells, they're completely different. And the indications are different and the source is different and the application is different. It's completely, these are completely two different treatments. But right. you have to choose between those two for an optimal results. Of course, it will be the hyperbaric oxygen therapy because you're getting more stem cells, it's yours, and it's fixing everything. What about using them complementarily, though, in conjunction with one other? Any examples of protocols for this? No, you don't need to, actually. HPOT will be more than enough. You don't need to add okay. on ozone therapy. You don't need to add on stem cells, injections. You know, it's going to do the whole job. Fair enough. It takes care of the whole shebang, if you will. And what about synergies with psychology and mental health treatment? You mentioned PTSD and anxiety a couple of times earlier. Anything along those lines? Oh, yeah. Interesting question. Actually, HPOT has been studied as a potential treatment for addiction and other mental health problems, disorders. But the evidence is very limited and mixed. Some okay. studies have suggested that HBOT may have anti-inflammatory effects and improved brain function, which could potentially have benefits for individuals with mental health disorders, such as depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder, the PTSD. Individuals usually describe a better mood and reduced anxiety and impulsiveness after the dedicated protocol at Aviv. Aviv clinics have been treating PTSD by adopting the specific HVOT protocol, and we have been witnessing great results. And this is specific indication, PTSD. And we have research, studies, and we really have amazing results. However, HVOT is not usually used as a standalone treatment in these cases mm -hmm. and should be used in conjunction with other evidence-based treatments such as psychotherapy and medication when it's indicated. So we don't really use it alone. Okay. And we have amazing results, but it has to yeah. be in conjunction with other therapies that are indicated according to each indication. So, for example, for the PTSD protocols, I'm sure it would be very tailored. But can you give us an idea of what this entails generally, the process maybe, and what results you've seen specifically? You remember the repressed memories I told you about? Yeah, exactly. So it's a little bit unpredictable. This is what's really challenging. We don't know how these repressed memories will come back and how the patients usually will react to it, right? So we have to be ready and experienced and know how to deal with these situations. This is why we have a team of experts here and we don't wait for the difficult times to happen. We prepare the patients in advance. So we explain to them what might happen and what they're going to be facing during the treatment. And they're prepared and they're committed and they want to heal. And as experts, we are here to support the patients. And on the same time, the follow-ups and the trainings that I talked about earlier, it's very tailored. So in this case, of course, they're going to be having the neuropsych and the psychotherapy support. And this is going to be, sometimes it's even on daily basis. So we are there, we're checking on them and we're supporting them through the treatment. In general, these patients have already medications. It's very rare to see a PTSD patient without any medication or psychotherapy or have gone through psychotherapy for a long time. So we continue the medication, we continue whatever is needed for a while until 
we feel or we see that we have positive effects and that the patient is getting better. And then we start reducing slowly until the ultimate goal is to be medication free. This will be our ultimate goal with the patient. But yes, in this specific indication, we have enough research and science to be confident actually that HBOT really have significant results and improvements in PTSD patients. Regarding the other indications like anxiety and depression, we know that it doesn't get worse and it improves during the treatment, but this as well, we, it's not scientifically proved yet. Like we didn't have two groups of depressed, not depressed, and let's see. It's mostly based on the experience that we have during the 20 last years from our patients, from our clients. We see that their mood improves, they're happier, they're less impulsive, the sleep is better. So this is mostly based on our experience with our clients. Interesting. It's really interesting. There's a lot of studies on both those directions and different bodies of research. So I'm very curious to see how these things turn out. PTSD is one that you really got me thinking about because there's some recent studies on the impacts of psychedelics on PTSD and how they can essentially help disassociate the emotional connection to the trauma. You can essentially live through that trauma without going through the painful memories and experiences and emotions. So I'm very curious to see how this research moves forward with all these different types of conditions and find solutions to problems that have been really ailing people for a very long time. Not to get too far off topic though. So on the subject of upcoming research, we talked about the fat loss, potentially some new research coming on humans, but is there any other bodies of research to your knowledge that are coming up that are of special importance or just interest to you specifically? As you've been mentioning, like you're expecting and you're so motivated and excited about seeing some research happening, combining this therapy with HBOT. I think that on a lot of people, including me that are very excited to see the research, evolving research in this field. So the field of HBOT is constantly evolving. So many studies have been published in the last 10 years in different areas of research, including traumatic brain injury, stroke, and eventually cancer. And this will be the most exciting one as well if we get more research in the field of cancer, specific types of cancer as well. Other interesting, very promising areas of research are dementia, we're starting to have research about dementia, early Alzheimer's stage, and we have one research that came out that was really amazing, but still not really on humans yet. Fibromyalgia okay. is a field that I'm personally interested in a lot and PTSD, but I'm sure there will be hundreds of other areas that's going to be evolving in the upcoming years in the field of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, because it's starting to be very well known. People are starting to be aware of it knowing more about it. And research has been easier as well, like to be applied and done in this field specifically. We'll be looking out for those for sure. Anything else you want to add? Anything else our listeners should be looking out for in the coming years on this subject? I think I'm going to be a little bit repetitive here because we've said a lot of things already. I would conclude with the hyperbaric oxygen therapy it has been found to have benefits beyond just treating and preventing a number of medical conditions. An interesting study was conducted, as I mentioned earlier, on the effect of hyperbaric oxygen therapy on the aging process and healthy individual. And I really invite all of you to read this, this paper because it's extremely interesting and it's really rare to have 
treatment or a paper on healthy people. We usually test sick people, but no, this time exactly. it's healthy people and what we can do actually to be even healthier. And this demonstrated that it has the ability to reverse aging, as I explained earlier, and this is what we are imagining actually in Alzheimer-free society. Aviva clinics have implemented the Aviva HBOT protocol, which involves 60 sessions, two hours of HBOT sessions, five days a week. This protocol has been shown to enhance physical and cognitive performance and reverse biological aging. We consider, and I do consider, that this protocol is really unique and includes a comprehensive evaluation before and after treatments, allowing clients to witness and receive scientific evidence of their significant improvement, which is very important and which I didn't see happening in any of the other clinics so far. However, it's important to know that not all HBOT chambers are safe and efficient. To ensure a safe and effective treatment, it's important to seek out certified clinics that comply with local health authority regulations and are monitored by highly experienced medical staff to prevent any dangerous incidents. I love that you said that. I think, of course, it's very important anytime you're talking about anything medical related to always consult your physician before you undertake any procedure and to always make sure, obviously, any facilities that you're going to are certified in the local authorities that whatever is required of it. So I think that's a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Mozayan. It was an absolute pleasure and I really enjoyed our conversation. Perfect. Thank you. And with all the bodies of research, maybe we come back in a couple of years or even sooner and see what's changed. Yeah. Well, the new updates. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.